Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between or irrespective of that binary, welcome back to Infinity City. You can call me Elliot because that's my name. I use he, him, and occasionally they, them pronouns. And today I won't actually be your GM. Today I am going to be playing the villain because we're doing something a little bit different today. We are going to be playing Anyone Can Wear the Mask, a game by Jeff Stormer that is a hack of Beyond the Rift by Deep Anyway. It is a game about a hero, a villain, and the city that ties them together. We'll be using a deck of cards, some dice, and three people to tell a story about well, as I said, a hero, a villain, and their city that they share. Joining me today are JV. Hello, all. I'm JV. I uh, am still playing Jackie Cuervo Dawes, the Raven. You can find me at Red Black Golden pretty much everywhere on the internet. And joining us today is special guest and friend of you, me, and everyone that isn't a fascist dick. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to put those words in your mouth. Lauren, tell us about who you are. I do hate fascists. That's very true. Hi, I'm Lauren Peterson. I use he, they pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at DM underscore LSP. And today I'm going to be playing the city. Uh, the, the, the city that is in Raven's head. Yeah, we're going to get real, real fucky with it, hopefully. And when I thought of the phrase, I concept bullshittery, you were the first person to pop into my head. So take that as a compliment, hopefully, because <laughs> I mean this one. So we are going to be playing Anyone Can Wear the Mask, as stated above. Uh, we've gone through and done a lot of our prep work beforehand. So we'll kind of just get on into it here. First, though, let's go over who our hero is. So, Jackie, for those that maybe have picked this very strange place to first jump into our podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit about who the Raven is and her story so far? All right, so our story for Jackie picks up before she's even born with her dad. Her dad has been a hero for a gr great many years as the Crow. I think Batman plus magic a little bit. Well, Batman plus telekinesis at the very least. Generally well-respected, well-liked, well-known. And it was presumed that Jackie would at some point likely develop probably the same power, but she did. Or rather, the more time went on, she was n even more nervous that she wouldn't. But she was always pretty bookish and loved the library, so found herself in a section of the library that she didn't, you know, really recognize before, was kind of unsure, you know, that section of the library got there and she found a book read from the book she wound up functionally entering into a little bit of a uh little bit of a pact kind of with 
a raven goddess that is generally speaking called the raven who casually occasionally just sort of uses jackie as a sort of do it almost like it gives jackie access to her vast amount of very fun purple magical powers however the more she uses them the more attention that is attracted to that the more that she uses the ability the worse the world gets the closer to death everybody seems to get hence you know the whole doomed playbook thing so she initially upon receiving these powers did she at this point in the story i think has only had for about like what three weeks like four weeks maximum it's been about a month it's like it's it really hasn't been very long and well this is what happens when you give a teenager a blank check with unchecked of power you forget to you know tell them the consequences of it until the consequences start showing up anyway so she uh, found some friends and well yeah i don't remember if they were friends already prior to a month ago but i feel like i don't know if they were in any case found friends made a like formed a super team with those friends and has generally, you know, tried to establish herself as a hero, slightly separate from the crow, but, you know, maybe new and improved crow almost a little bit, even though that's gone pretty badly. And she managed to... Oh, boy. So much has happened in, like, the last like, year that... It, like, well, the last year of recording, basically. And a, a lot has happened. A lot has happened in that regard with various actions. Her dad wound up finding out that she was the Raven and volunteered to work with Professor Paragon, who, uh, well, turned him into an actual crow man. Uh, he is a, an actual crow now. Well, crow-human hybrid. Um... Jackie's currently attempting to fix that. Uh, we'll see how well that goes. With the help of somebody else is attempting to fix that. We will see how that goes. But for now, he's simply trying to prevent the end of the world, which she absolutely started. This is only Ike her fault. Um, well, here we are. It's been a wild ride. Oh, also she did accidentally in a rather recent session uh make cause one of her friends to like lose an arm so she's kind of like weird about the fact that that happened even if they will regrow it she feels very very bad about it yeah that's where we're at so with all that out of the way let's find out about the city that jackie inhabits in her mind so Lauren, there's a couple of questions in the book about building the city. Uh, first off, do we have a name for the city yet, or do we want to come back on that? The name in my mind, and maybe it's it's too 
on the nose was Ravensburg. Ooh. I can dig it. Honestly, subtext is for cowards. There's no such thing as two on the nose for me. Oh, I have an idea. Even though this sounds like a small town, but I like the concept of it being a small town name, but it's a giant city. Raven's Hollow? Yeah. Actually, Raven's Hollow is really good. All right. So, uh, Lauren, what have you got for us in terms of Raven's Hollow as far as the size and the sort of, like, four major sections that it's broken up into? So do we decide those sections uh, right off the bat? Yes. So we will go through and... uh, So essentially, since Jackie's primary suit is clubs, that is going to be the neighborhood that she is most comfortable in. Spades will be a neighborhood that she's sort of comfortable in, but not like her home neighborhood. And then Diamonds and Hearts will be neighborhoods where she's out of her element. Perfect. And these, in the context of the game, mean anything in particular? Uh, they can mean or not mean as much as we want them to. They can also be sort of, like, nebulously defined or very specific. Like, there's been games I've heard where it'll be just, like, generic downtown, and then others have been, like, very specific, like, this is the hipster neighborhood where all of the houses are bright colors, so on and so forth. So, City of Ravens Hollow is a major metropolis, and it is a port city. But... In this way that it doesn't matter which direction you look at it from, you're always looking at the port side, which would make you think it's an island. It's not, but it doesn't matter which way you look at it. It always looks like one. It's always like you're looking at the the port side of a city, obviously, because this is a weird brain town. It doesn't have to make sense in any sort of physical way. It is pretty much eternally dusk in Raven's Hollow. It's a city that is at least as tall as it is wide, heavily populated, I believe you said complicated, which to me is chaotic. There is this sense of height to the city, and it is connected by a series of twisting, winding trams and walkways to the point where like, you can exist at certain heights. It's not just like a flat plane so to speak uh pulling heavily on batman the animated series here i imagine our scenes and our camera are sort of always looking at the city in an isometric angle and you can always see this tangle of bridges above a seemingly endless stream of honking traffic uh down below there's street lamps here it's almost gas lampy um and there are yellow and blue lights in the windows. All of the all of the roofs on the buildings have shingles that look like, upon closer inspection, feathers. Um, and there always seem to be clusters of ravens here and there, especially surrounding the massive clock tower that that 
uh, much in the way that like there's no actual way to get a view of uh, the the Eiffel Tower and the way it is presented in film. It's always in, you know outside someone's window to show that you're in France. Um, that's what this clock tower is. Any of our scenes that have a window, this clock tower is out there, and it's a massive red-faced clock tower. Most of the colors here are these purples and grays. Again, the sun is kind of always just setting or has just set, and you can see the the sort of wash of color on the horizon. Oh, I love that. I think our neighborhoods, our Diamonds neighborhood is the Tangle, which is one of the lower areas, and that is where... There's predominantly mostly bridges. It is, quote unquote, I guess, a more poor area of town uh, where they don't have trams, where they don't have moving walkways or anything like that, like they do in the upper areas, which is going to be spades, which I'm going to call. Let's call it, call it 12 points. Named so for the 12 main towers in the city. There are 13 towers in the city, the 13th being the clock tower. Uh, but 12 points is the upper area. That is where uh, if if there is bougie in this city, that's that's what it is. But of course, there kind of isn't. Um, that's where penthouses and boardrooms that CEOs look out of with their hands clasped behind their backs would be. Um, then hearts. Hearts is, is above the tangle, but below 12 points and hearts is what we'll call good name here hearts is going to be i'm going to call this area which which is like the main area that that you know it's a it's above the tangle it's below 12 points this is where the majority of middle class life but not just middle class life like working life this is where this is where a lot of people in the city are sort of spending their time in this weird corner kind of oblivious melange of faceless background characters shuffling and moving from place to place if if it's an interesting set piece but again we're in a brain and this city does not have to make any sort of metaphysical sense it's a place that would represent society as a maybe a whole society as a the people you want to protect but are apart from um, because you're a superhero and these this is the normal people. So I actually, I'm just going to call it the commons. Uh, and then the clubs, the area you are most familiar with is not physical space in, in that sense. It's not as easily identifiable, uh, but it is underneath it all. It is, it is beneath the bridges where few can walk. It is in alleyways and secret back rooms and uh, uh, these deep sort of places of your subconscious that, that have cropped up and moved throughout the city. Uh, and we're going to call that Conspiracy Row. A conspiracy is the group noun for a group of ravens. And it is a place where if this city has heroes, if this city has villains... That's where they're in. That's where they come from. It is a place that is sort of talked about in hushed tones. Uh, it's rumored that, that the ravens can move through it. Um, it. It is a place that touches all of the others, but is not part of any of them. And those are the four locations of the city. So clubs is Conspiracy Row, the place you're most familiar with. 
Diamonds is the tangle, the place you're adjacent to, but uh, not super comfortable in. Hearts is the commons, which is where the vast majority of the city is. And then spades is 12 points, the 12 highest towers connected by their own private tram lines and moving walkways where all of the corrupt, horrible business would take place. I do just want to point out that uh, spades would be uh, second most comfortable because it matches in color to clubs. Right. I, uh, I, I, I was just going down the line, so that's my bad. So 12 points. So spades should be the tangle. Yeah, we can and, switch that around, DC. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, it's very, I'm, I'm changing it right now. And 12 points is diamonds. All right, so in our playingcards.io, Lauren, as the city, if you would like to draw a card from the first half of our deck and move it to this turn, we can get started. Five of diamonds. All right, so the five of diamonds is going to put us in 12 points. Uh, city, if you would like to... Uh, Describe a sort of scene of what things look like in 12 points. Tell us about some of the people that live there and that I'm going to be putting in danger. And then I will come in with the threat that is going to be threatening them. We open on a high-rise building. It looks out over the other towers and a man who appears blocky um somewhere between Lex Luthor in Justice League um like the animated Justice League cartoon and uh Fisk mm-hmm. or Kingpin in um into the Spider-Verse somewhere between those two he's bald um and I believe He's wearing a black suit. And underneath it is a shirt that is is a, a dress shirt made of what is clearly snakeskin. He's got ruby cufflinks, almost like burning eyes. Um, and he stares out through the... down at the city, um with this this massive just bay window that or not bay window but, but a glass pane window that's open and you can see uh trains and trams running between all of the other uh buildings um and the next panel is a view from the outside and there is a, a massive neon sign that says like uh Salvador and Ross Financials so yeah suits uh, calling this Diamonds, location name, Salvador and Ross Financials. Description, uh, this uh, tall tower, massive windows, looks out over the rest of the city. It is one of the 12 points. Mm. Okay. Who lives here? Uh, No one. No one lives here. <laughs> At least not. This high up, somewhere down the line, Salvador and Ross Financials is is uh, apartments somewhere. It is 
a shopping mall somewhere. It is many things, but up here, this is the office, the mega corporation, you know, complex that is Salvador and Ross financials. And in some case, it is the home of, we will call him. I think he just goes by Mr. Salvador, who is who we saw in the win- in the window. Ross is Ross is long dead. And I think as we get a panel looking in through the window, like we've seen the panel framed from behind looking out into the city. This panel is framed the opposite way, looking from the city in through the window. And I think we see the door to this room just get kicked in. And we're starting off pretty simple as I think like, Probably four or five guys in very traditional looking like black turtle nights, black ski masks pulled down over their faces. They're coming in with like, I think it's even like the stereotypical like Tommy guns just attempting to take something from Mr. Salvador, whether that's money, whether that's his life i don't think it's really clear i think the one in front just shouts at him to get down put his hands above his head and just like stay still and i think that's where we will have the raven enter so because you are out of your element in this setting the villain that's me is going to roll one die to find out how you do in saving the day here mm-hmm. and then you get to narrate what happens all right so we're starting off strong that's a six you push past your limits and become something greater than yourself how do you inspire the people and recover one injury or take a point of inspiration so how does the raven kick these guys ass? so she i think is going to bust through the window. She does so by sort of by kicking it in and almost like in typical at family fashion, just flying in, but like with a rope, even though she in theory could have wings at this point. She doesn't for this moment. She's trying to do this the old fashioned way. So once she gets in there, she's going to extend her hands and almost seem like from her hands we see purple tendrils of energy extend out from her wrap around the nozzles of the guns and throw them out backwards just through the broken window and then more of them just push these gentlemen back through the door that they came from close the door and then put a bookcase in front of the door. And uh, presuming Mr. Salvador is right there, I'm going to turn to him and say, here's the thing. You're lucky I was here for this. You should think about why they decided to come through those doors and maybe make some life changes. This is the way you're living. This will keep happening. And I'm not always going to be around to help you, so... Might want to start making some changes. Salvador, who during this entire time has not flinched, 
just turns to the raven and says, No, I think it is you who should be thankful that I don't throw you off of my spire. I have a security team for this very reason, and I am sure they are handling the men on the other side of that door. Meanwhile, I should invoice you for the damage done to my window and my collection of priceless tomes. And we can see now that some of those books have fallen off. And I don't know how this is represented from Raven's vision. The words in them are either magic or some of them are symbols. Like magic, like sacred geometry style. And he goes and picks one up and closes it and locks a clasp with a key from around his neck. And he says, you should continue playing hero down in the tangle where you belong. This is our portion of the city. You've no place in it. All right. So who you saved is Mr. Salvador. He may not be entirely thankful for it, but he's still alive. And you took your point of inspiration. So uh, round two, if you wouldn't mind drawing for us, Laura. Ah, oh, this is fun. Uh, I got the Jack of Spades, which means we get to meet a character, correct? Yes. Uh, let's see. Jack is somewhere peaceful. So, somewhere peaceful for Spades is arrival. They need someone to stand up to them before people get hurt. And this is in Spades, which is the tingle. Uh, Jackie's sort of second best neighborhood. This is a minor vigilante who is sort of an anti-hero. Sometimes they take things a little too far. I think I think they're your rival because uh, you don't take things as far as they do, but. People see you kind of both as in the same league and kind of lump you together. They are wearing leather jacket, big, like, black combat boots with metal toes. They have on a black ski mask that has a white stripe down the middle. They have a very grungy, looks like they kind of put it together at home and at Hot Topic. They've got two pairs of brass knuckles that are definitely a little bloodstained. And then, like, a jacket that's just got bikes all over it and this is the mongoose and they are I, this is a this is a peaceful somewhere peaceful but it says they so you need to stand up to this person uh before people get hurt um it's somewhere the hero can quietly recover and focus their attention on someone specific once you know the place i know where this is in the tangle uh and i know why it's it's peaceful because in the Tangle, there is a place that we will call Shelby's. There's a, a faded neon sign that, that kind of blinks and buzzes out called Shelby's. It's off the side of a road. And I think this is a place where maybe some of you vigilantes hang out. And you're pretty new here to this one. This, this is the street side of things, right? This is not, um, this is not the sort of upside down inverse weird magical place of conspiracy row and you enter shelby's how old is is the raven the raven is 18 
Okay. You enter Shelby's, and there's, uh, I'm imagining people playing pool. <laughs> Some other, like, minor heroes or whatever. And, uh... Shelby, who is there? I think Shelby is just is just whoever is like the hostess or host that evening. It changes. They're just always Shelby, and they're like, "Hey, before you get settled in, Mongoose is here. He says he has something for you." Mm. And Shelby takes you to a back room where there is one of the guys who broke in to Salvador and Ross, beaten very badly. I do a chair. And another one is passed out on the floor. You see blood that someone has clearly coughed up. And I think as you walk in, Mongoose is like pulling back their brass knuckles. Like, who do you work for? And ready to throw another punch. So then for our hero, describe how you give this person what they need and earn their trust. Uh, Mark the location on your map, which we're not really doing. Uh, and list their name and the suit of the card drawn by the city in your journal as an ally. So, how does the Raven step in here and earn their trust and, I guess, sort of, like, calm them down, help them see the error of their ways, however you go about doing this? The Raven is going to step in between. That's going to require getting pretty close, but the Raven is going to... Uh, shield this man who is tied to a chair. Just look into the mongoose's eyes and just say, I need you to take a breath. I need you to take one breath in with me. Come on. Ooh, okay. And another one. And good. It's a long... If you keep hitting him, going to die and you won't get the information. Also, not for nothing, we're not really supposed to torture people, but also, like, I don't know, have have we tried checking his pockets to see if he has information on him? Have we checked his cell phone, maybe? He didn't have anything. Just stupid outfit. Whoever these guys are, they're new. They're the same ones who attacked Mr. Ross. And nobody's doing anything about it. Oh? I'm willing to... I'm willing to help figure this out. If he's a newbie, he's likely probably slipped up in some way. For example, one newbie thing is to... usually have their phone hidden in their right boot. Uh... Which they think is a clever place to put their phone. Except then, well, when all of them do it, it's pretty easy to figure out where it is. He reaches down and pulls off the guy's right boot. And in it, yeah, there, there's the cell phone. He grabs the cell phone and just hucks the boot at the guy's head. Ah, uh, yes. There we go. Now, I think if we want to figure out who he's working for... Should maybe check the most recent phone calls he's gotten. And eh, I guess he's not so bloody. We can open it with his face. Oh dear. In getting with the weirdness, I think that he doesn't have a face. It's not that there's nothing under the ski mask. It's that the ski mask 
is the dude's face. And I do think as the phone gets unlocked, as the raven and the mongoose start to, like, search through the phone, there are articles pulled up very, like, very in the style of Spider-Man with the Daily Bugle. And in essence, these articles are just over and over. Can the Raven be trusted? Who is the Raven working for? What are the Raven's true intentions? Just that style of sort of smear campaign against the Raven. As she knows that this city is starting to doubt her, at least in some capacity. I just drew the Ace of Spades for the next scene. Oh. That's all it right? Yeah, the Ace is somewhere private, which for Spades is going to keep us in the same neighborhood. As the city introduces a trusted confidant to the hero and describes where the hero meets them. Hmm. This should be someone well-connected to people in power, but eager to make the world a better place. If the king of the same suit has not been played, describe a mundane scene of friendship and foreshadow the reveal that will come later. But their pronouns are they, them. They go by Haley Handon, P-A-N-D-O-N. First name is uh, Haley, H-A-L-I-E. They run or operate a a company um, that is based around transportation. So they are in charge of the city's transportation in a way that is like they're like a corporate side of it. They work with they work with you know civil servants and people who are like oh we're gonna set up train lines and stuff and then they're the ones who are like. Uh, Haley is the one who is like, ah, well, okay, we'll, we'll put a train line here and do this and I'll do the marketing for it and get all the materials. And like, that's their, their company kind of does that. And so they're like connected to all these people because like they're doing their, their, their main like current project they really want to work on is getting the tangle untangled, essentially rebuilding all the infrastructure down there, making it easier for people to move, making it safer and less dangerous i think a big problem is like a lot of the guardrails don't work anymore and people are falling and uh trains down there what few there are have have uh just fallen into disarray but what pays the money is fixing and building new stuff up in 12 points so they're connected to those people but what they really want to do is fix the tangle and you meet them again we're in the tangle so i think you meet them in an old or maybe it's new it's newer but it's quickly already fallen into disarray and been graffitied over and not being taken care of and understaffed uh railway station in the tangle describe a mundane scene of friendship and foreshadow the reveal that will come later um yeah why do we meet here did you request this meeting or did they? I think maybe they did. And they're a trusted confidant, but they're not meeting with your super persona. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Oh, you know what it is? They're like, 
I think they texted you or or sent you an email or something. It's like, hey, I could really use an extra pair of hands. Can you help me out? It's kind of to your specialty. And you get there and they are like covered in grease, working underneath a rail car. And they're like the whole place has kind of been like shut down. And I think they need help figuring out uh, why some of these sigils that run the engines on these uh, trains aren't working. That works. And they're like, I just, I can't, like, the timing sigil's off. This thing is is not running on time. Um, I can't figure it out. I don't know where our math went wrong. Um, mm. Can you take a look? Yeah, I definitely can. Uh, uh, oh, okay, I think I see it. Um, so you see here, there's this thing, and... Um, She's pointing to this thing. I think this one, for some reason, it's supposed to be set to the moon, like to PM time, or rather, no, it's currently set to PM time. It's supposed to be set to AM, which throws all of this off by about 12. So if we adjust that, yeah. Got it. See what I'm okay. saying? There we go. There's the solution. That that should fix it. Okay, and then if I carry that rune over and change this one, and I think it's just like that for the rest. It's it's the two of you rewriting these weird runes on a magical engine that makes the trains in this city run. Ah, there we go. Um, and then like that, you you finish. You're covered in chalk and grease and dust. They go. Finally, I was able to get that up and running. All of my engineers are working on a new project up in 12 points. Oh, yeah? What's the new project? Luxury rail line to connect all 12 towers. And then spokes to connect them to the clock. Ah. It's a big job, but it's going to take me away from this, which is far more important to me. I don't care if those stuffy suits need to get to each other's offices faster. This is what's going to get people to work, and they slap the engine, and the whole thing kind of wow, wow. Uh, I haven't slept in like three days. You should either have a coffee or sleep. Honestly, whichever one of those sounds good to you, but I'll be honest, I think those rich people can wait. Well, my contracts is otherwise, so coffee it is. Sure thing, buddy. I think it's a good place yeah. to end the scene. Yeah, and I think as the two of you are leaving this railway tunnel, there are several graffiti tags on the wall, and they are notably of a snake eating its own tail. And I think we get the panel of Jackie stopping to look at one of them on her way out. Okay, yeah. now the Ace of Clubs. Cool. Another confidant. Uh, but this time, this time it's in your space. Perfect. We get to see every panel on this page and for this scene is printed upside down. Mm -hmm. By which I mean the panels are actually right side up, but what we see 
is uh, Raven walking on the underside of bridges. People in the background are right side up, but she's always upside down, and her dialogue boxes are upside down. And the people she's talking to here, the person she's talking to here, is also upside down. So this is the Ace of Clubs. Again, another confidant who's connected to people in power. I know who this is, actually. Who is your Doctor Strange figure? His name is Dr. Phantasma. He is a native man, sort of of ambiguous age. He's sort of a rogue magician, because we do have Toxama, which is essentially like the magical military. Dr. Phantasma lives in a castle that exists outside of time and space and essentially is the chaotic good magician of Infinity City. He's got sort of a vaguely Moon Knight aesthetic where he's got like the white cloaked hood that covers his face most of the time. I don't think I've described much of his costume outside of like the white cloak and cape. So he's who's here, but it's, I mean, it's not him. Right, obviously. Or or if it is him, it, uh, the relationship probably is not there. Because, again, this is all in your, in your brain. And he runs a shop that is just called The Weird. And inside, it is a antiquities bookstore. The kind of place a... Twilight Zone protagonist would wander into and have their life changed forever. And he's behind the counter and he's packaging up a box, putting books in it. And each of these books is is uh, he's sort of wrapping them in tape and that tape has sigils on it that glow faintly when he connects both ends of the tape together and then sets them in the box. What does he call you when you enter? I would say it's not in superhero mode, um, in just regular Jackie mode. But I think because he knows her and is familiar enough with her, I think he's just going to straight call her Bird Girl. Bird Girl, welcome back. Eager and hungry for new knowledge, I assume. Always, always here. Always here for that. Excellent. Well, my library is open to you. Anything else you might need? Have at it. I just have to get this order packed. Need any help? Actually, I could use some help. I've plenty to do tonight. Rituals to upkeep, ingredients to... Ingredient. Could you drop this off for me uh, at the courier's office on your way home? Save me a trip. I'd really appreciate it. I would be absolutely happy to. I I certainly don't mind. Perfect. It's for a very important client. Um, there's tamper-proof sigils on all the books, and as he finishes packing the last one, on the box itself, and puts another strip of that tape around it and connects the ends, and the sigils mm -hmm. flash a bit. And then scribbles something down on a shipping sticker and puts that on. We don't quite see what it is. I'll let that be a very high-profile client. Uh, what can I help you with today? Uh, I saw kind of a weird symbol earlier. I'm just wondering if you... Mm. Hang on a sec. 
And she's going to uh, take a piece of paper that's just sort of there, sort of vaguely sketch the graffiti that she saw before on it. She, art is not her strong suit, so it, it's not looking great. It looks a little bit like a worm, but it's kind of weird. And she is going to just sort of push that forward a little bit and say, seen anything like this before? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, and goes and pulls just a massive book, puts it down, uh, again, pulls a key out from the keys. Keys around collars are apparently a thing I'm doing today, so he pulls one of those out and unlocks it with a heavy thud. The lock goes and uh, flips it open to a page that has the symbol on it. I think essentially what you get out of this book, sort of in Whip Notes versions, because Jackie is already aware that the raven and the snake have been doing battle since essentially the dawn of creation in various forms. And this one big full-page splash panel is actually holographic. And in one way of looking at it, we see Jackie looking into the book. And as you move it over to the other image, it is somebody that looks very similar to Jack. They look very much like Jackie if Jackie were a cis guy. And they are looking into the very same book and say to themselves, her confidence is growing far too quickly. Gonna have to put a stop to this. And I think Jackie, like, we see that reading the comic, but Jackie also sees that looking into the book. Oh. Now, who the hell? I... Uh, that's you. You see that that's me, right? I okay. So I have to. Hasma probably takes a look and goes, "No, no. I see pages." Oh, well. But if you are having visions could mean that these sigils are aligned with you in some way. Ah, interesting, interesting. I will need to do more research. Absolutely. Can I borrow this page? I think he goes, one moment, uh, walks over, grabs a sheet of paper, slaps the sheet of paper down on the page, takes a piece of charcoal that's on a, a chain around his neck, and draws something on the back of the page and smacks it. And then when he peeps, Eel that off, and it's a copy of the page and hands it to you. God, I need to learn that trick. That's awesome. Thank you, and I'll I'll drop this off. I'll think a little bit more on this. Get back to you. I, I think in the interest of, of setting up, in the interest of Chekhov's gunning what we just did, he absolutely teaches you that nice. sigil. <laughs> it's very easy, oh, yeah. very quick. Um... And uh, says, oh, please take a, you know, take the page with you and here, take this and, and hands you the box he wants you to drop off. Um, 
And uh, Elliot, where's that box going? We get the last panel of this particular issue that is just the shipping label that is just labeled to Jackson Cuervo Dawes. Right, I'm drawing again. Five of hearts. All right. So, hearts. Uh, what neighborhood is this in again? Hearts is the commons. It's the kind of middle area where there's a bunch of faceless background characters that represent uh, the the people that Jackie is saving, but not a part of, um, because she is super, and they are mundane. Five is an imminent threat, and since we had a five before, it is going to be similar, if not the same people, as those e-masked muggers that we saw before. I think it is the same ones, and they have hijacked a train. Uh... To what end? We don't know. They have not made demands. They've hijacked a train. They're taking hostages. Um, and they are... Uh, it is going mm. way too fast. One might even say it is running ahead of schedule. Uh, yeah, there's three of them in the front car who have the, the conductor uh, tied up. And we've got a couple others moving through the train, keeping people suppressed, so to speak. They have their hokey Tommy guns. They've got their ski masks and, you know, weird kind of a Batman gang attire. Yeah, we're leaning full. Like, Jackie's mind is just the Batman animated series. Every gang has a theme that they stick to <laughs> hardcore. I love it. It makes them easier to identify. It's great. All right. So did you want to set any more on this scene or should we go ahead and get to rolling? Oh, no, let's get to rolling. All right. Since we're in arts, that's just going to be one die, which this time is a two, which is not great. On a two to three, you manage to stop the threat, but it's messy. How do you stop the threat? What goes wrong along the way? And either take an injury or cause collateral damage. So, Jackie, how's this play out? So... They're trying to take hostages, thing that is moving far too fast. And he said there are people in the first car. Presumably there are people in all of the cars. What Jackie is going to attempt to do, and it is a lot of power for her to use, I don't know that she would actually be able to do it, which I think lends this to, like, going poorly. She's going to take the, like, the front two cars, which are the most populated cars, attempt to just teleport them into a different location. Like, they're just going to be somewhere else. And presumably that someplace else is, this is a city that has a sort of a port area, and presumably there is a, like, not great city beach and she is going to send uh the first two train cars over there which is likely going to wind up with them in water 
which is dangerous. That's for damn sure. Also, it was the first two cars. There, I think, was still at least at least one one additional car. Um, don't know what's gonna happen with that one. Uh, likely some form of collateral damage. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Jackie is going to using all of the all of this strength that she has, all of the magical energy that she has. She's going to she's aiming to teleport the the entire just train off of that track and to another location. But she only manages to get the first two and not well. All right. So are you taking an injury or do you want to cause collateral damage here? I'm thinking collateral damage. All right. So we will move this card into the collateral damage section and I will look up what happens with that in just a sec. So I'm the city. I discard the top of the deck because uh, it was collateral I'll... damage. I think that just removes it. Yeah, I think that moves it over to the graveyard. Ooh, not the card we drew. The card we drew still goes to saved. Okay. Gotcha. But the next one, the three of hearts, goes to collateral damage. All right. Which leaves one left for this first man. Four of diamonds. Is the collateral damage that people were injured and those train cars were destroyed, or is it that the last train car didn't stop and smashed into a station? I'm not sure. How are we feeling, y'all? I would prefer to not injure people, but like, I think people are going to get injured either way. Sort of trying to think what's the least lethal way of doing this, and given that it didn't go well, part of me almost wants to say both. Like, both there was still a train crash, and also the other two cars were massively damaged and people were injured in both sections because that's naturally going to happen when a train crash occurs. If you don't want people to get hurt, maybe it's more interesting that, like, the people you teleported out, like, they didn't really get hurt, but now there's just two train cars on the beach and moving them back, moving two train cars up several stories in this city is going to be an annoying, horrible... Uh, that whole train line is going to be screwed for weeks. Not to mention all of the traffic and roadways and railways you'll have to shut down just yeah. to move them. Yep. Like, logistically yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's a very dense city. Um, okay, yeah, I like that. That's really cool. We are at... I got the four of diamonds, so uh, this is another immediate danger. Um, except we are now in diamonds, which is, again, the uh, 12 points. Um, what's the situation here? There has... I don't want to go to another rail line again, because that's, that's the easy one, and also another corporate office is easy. And this is a new number, so it might be a different individual. There is a security company that works for someone in the 12 points. It, it might be 
a subsidiary of Salvador and Ross Financials. But uh, a public area had to be evacuated because um, it was, it's like this big plaza that's connected by four bridges. And it goes to a couple of the towers. And it's like a nice fine dining area where like there's like a park up here. And again, we are like a mile above sea level, just suspended between buildings. There's a this horrible network of bridges and rail lines beneath us going all the way down to the honking city streets below. And this area has been evacuated. And there are a bunch of uh, security personnel who work for the security company currently engaged in a fight with a, a, a being that has emerged from a portal. You can see there are, is, is uh, you can see that I think we get a shot from the air. The way the tables in this plaza were arranged today makes a bunch of sigils. And at the center of it all, there is a portal from which has emerged uh, essentially a massive snake, uh, but it like it 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 has like a spinal like upright, and then it has two arms, but each of those arms is also a snake head. And it's so it's whipping carts around, tearing up street lamps, and throwing them at these guys who are fighting back with I don't I don't know what they're fighting back with either either some sort of magic or 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 maybe more shitty Tommy guns because that's fun, um, and they are losing this fight. I like to imagine that it's like they look like generic like comic book guns where it's just like assault rifle number three or whatever. Oh, yeah, but like absolutely. they they don't look like they're shooting bullets. They're shooting like different colors. Like one's shooting out like red and one's shooting blue and like these are like basically magic guns. I'm going to call, and this place is uh, the Ross Memorial Luncheon Plaza. Technically, I'm supposed to introduce the threat, but that is cool and badass, and I love it, so we're running with it. What I was getting at is someone or something did this on purpose. Whatever, oh, this, yeah. whatever this thing is, is a result of of another thing's actions, which is what I was leaving up to you to set up. So that's my bad. I have something in mind for that. I just want to leave it for like the end of the scene as sort of a stinger type thing. So we'll go ahead and roll that die for Jack. And that is a four. You rise to the occasion and manage to save the day. What great moment of heroism do you achieve? So Raven, how do you swoop in and save the day? Um, here? I think. In this case, literally swooping in with the wings and everything there, sort of pushing the thing like halfway back into the portal and then looking down, noticing the sigil, noticing that it's the way the tables are set up and her like making, like seeing that that's the case is going to just like flick her hand and throw a table somewhere else so that the sigil is broken. I don't know what happens to a being like this when it is half in and half out of a portal, but I'm sure it's not great. I think as the raven breaks that sigil, and I don't know if this is like 
portal closes, snake monster goes away, or how that works exactly. But I think as this scene comes to a close, we see that isometric shot from down below of the raven's face. And in the background, we can see that the sky, just like in the real world in Infinity City, has started to crack, and that purple energy is coming through it. And up in one of the towers nearby this plaza, we see the form we saw looking into the book, the sort of male equivalent of Jackie, looking down on her and he says, Now that's more like it. Things are going much more according to play. Welcome to Nameless Monsters, an actual play podcast currently running Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. Think things are strange in your neck of the woods? Try Triple Springs on Versailles. Max is going to take a second. She's been schlepping this person-sized duffel bag. She's going to put it down, undo the combination lock, and she pulls out a belt of grenades. Max, you're the government person, so I don't want to, like, tell you how to do your job. Join Brad, Mags, and Morris as they try to navigate the weirdness facing them at every turn. Oh, no. Starting out strong with a six. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got two charm and everything. Brad is so charming. She shoots you. <gasps> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nameless Monsters. Catch us every other Wednesday on your favorite platform. And happy hunting.